Hello, and welcome to Molly Movie Club. I'm Anna Rutberg. And I'm Casey Muratori. And we begin a new month. A month begins anew. That's right. Yeah. This month is Bleak Future, so that's going to be fun. Yeah, this is going to be a very uplifting September for everybody. And we're starting with Mad Max Fury Road. Which is a very bleak future. Sure is. I mean, it's just a wasteland. It's, it's about as bleak as the future gets. Probably the bleakest vision of the future that there will be this month, I'm guessing. Haven't actually seen Metropolis. I haven't seen it either. So I mean, we'll, Children of Men's me. not great, but but Mad Max is probably worse. Yeah. Way worse. Yeah. I mean, in Children of Men, they have like television that's still functioning and stuff mm-hmm, like that, mm-hmm. right? Mad Max Fury Road actually refers to the fact that there are still satellites in the sky, but that there is nothing to receive their signals. Well, and like the right? basic necessities like water. Yeah. Just not, yeah. not a thing that people have. But anyway, uh, yeah. but yes, Children of Men still quite bleak for other reasons. So, Mad Max Fury Road. When I first saw this movie, I think it was like 2015 or so this movie came out. Uh, I was definitely one of those people who was like, oh my god, this is amazing. Like, I actually went back to the theater to see it again, like just by myself like, oh. a week later. I was just like, I want to see that again. Okay. It's so creative and weird and different. It feels like it's it's trying to do its own thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I would I would say that like there are some things the movie doesn't do great, but those are things that the movie is not really doesn't really need to do yeah. that well to succeed. And the things that the move this type of movie has to do well to succeed, this movie succeeds at spectacularly. They are basically, you know, making the entire movie be about sort of vehicular action mm-hmm. or like, you know, action that's along a moving a train sequence almost. It's like yeah. a train action sequence, even yeah. though they are not trains. That is basically the entire movie is going to take place effectively in that in that form. And they just do it spectacularly well. Um, you know, there are a few points in the action where it's maybe a little bit hard to tell exactly what's going on. But when you consider just how much action there is and how many different action elements are happening at the same time in a lot of these scenes they still manage to pull it off just fantastically well the the ambition to uh, the the ambitious nature of these action scenes mm-hmm. is remarkable and that they pull it off 90% of the time is kind of insane yeah it's just the tangibility of it all too like yeah. the fact that you're watching I mean, I would say it seems like about 95% or so of what you're watching is actually happening. Um, there's very little CG as far as you can sort of perceive. I mean, I know there's there's a few scenes where it's like obviously CG. Well, I'm um, assuming there's but, a ton of CG, but it's all over the top of stuff they actually film. Exactly. Right? Yeah. When I, I just mean like full CG. Like, the, you know, there's right, the one yeah. scene in particular at the end where the like the guitar flies forward. And, and like, the wheel bouncing. And the, yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's like... sure. And I like I I think the way it was used in that situation is like so tonally perfect, right? It's yeah. just like over the top and crazy. But most of the movie, I mean, there's a few sh- scenes like right at the very beginning when like Max drives off. There's this shot as they sort of, I don't even think there's music, and he sort of drives over this sort of like crest of a hill, and everyone's behind him, and then his car gets hit and flips. All all of that just happened. And it's really cool to watch. 
I mean, yeah, I assume I could be wrong about this, but I assume that there's also an element of because they did. Uh, I mean, it's also my understanding, although I haven't researched this movie at all. It's my understanding that they did a lot of things practically. You know, they they tried to build actual cars and have actual people swinging on them and all these other sorts of things to the extent they could. My assumption is that there's more to that than just the fact that you tend to get a better result because unless you have really fantastic CG artists, a lot of times you'll, you know, you'll notice. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But the other aspect of it is it forces you to do a bunch of planning that you might not have otherwise done. And I feel like that's another thing that you feel uh, when you're doing these action sequences because they had to plan out where the cars would actually be and how the people would be on them and how they would move from one to the other and all the other things because you have to actually shoot it. It means that like that thought process had to occur. In CG, it can be deferred or done lazily or from shot to shot, you can change where things are completely and all these other things. And it, it I, I think that when it's done improperly, which it often is, leads to that ephemeral feel that CG has sometimes for no fault of like the rendering. Right. It's it's not even a case that we can't render the thing right. It's more just like, well, it allowed you to be sloppy and we're feeling the sloppiness, not the the image quality or something. And so I do suspect that also when you have people who have to do this actual meticulous work to get these shots right, that might actually just result in better action sequence planning and therefore better choreography, more consistent shots, an easy way for the viewers to know where things are because they're not changing where they are, all those sorts of things. The other thing that that does is it it, it helps the world building aspect too. I mean, this is supposed to be a bleak future where all of these things are built based on sort of things that were in our world that we might recognize, but then these people have, like, repurposed them and built them into these, like, crazy contraptions. And the fact that these are actual, like, physical things that they built in the real world, I mean, I think it it helps that feeling, too, because it means that somebody had to actually go build that thing and make sure it worked. For me, I think my favorite part of the movie is that world-buildy feeling. Um, It feels so immersive um, and so tangible, everything about that world, uh, the costumes and the designs yeah. of all the cars and the they hired like some really odd people, people with like deformities and, and things that make this world feel full and so so well thought through. Like you're seeing types of people and types of bodies that you almost never see on film. And it enhances the feeling of this world so much Um like that for me I think that's why I love this movie so much is the just the look of everything and the way it feels to be in the world. Well, I think too there's a certain stylistic aspect uh to the world design that makes it work well which is that they so it's pretty easy to have problems with consistency when you're doing design, right? And if you look at Mad Max Fury Road from a purely like technical standpoint, you're like, well, all of this stuff doesn't make any sense because if you know if the future was really like this, you would never be doing any of these things, right? Um, you would have run out of gas a long time ago. Like all these other sorts of things were just like none of this is plausible, really, right? But the thing is, they correctly set a tone that the rules of this world are not really about technical accuracy they're about like grotesque excess they're like this 
all of the the rules of this world is that something cannot exist here unless it is extreme. Yeah. Like, right? Like, of course, there is a giant car that does nothing but blast metal music with a exactly. guy playing guitar yeah. on it. Because it's like we're setting the tone that this is not supposed to be technically accurate, but it is supposed to be consistent. And I'm trying to, I'm not sure I'm explaining well what the difference is between the two things, but. In other words, they've created a rule set that they do, in fact, follow. Yes. If something in this world was very plain and, and ordinary, right, it would look inconsistent. And they never do that. Mm-hmm. They're always like, everything is extreme. Everything is done to this extreme aesthetic. And they never waver from it. And in so doing, they I think they managed to create their own consistency out of something that if you were trying to apply the rules of the real world would be terribly inconsistent and wouldn't make sense. But they they managed to set this different – they managed to show that the rules of this world are different, but we are still going to obey them is the way I guess I would say it. Yeah, I, and I think that gives this world such a – unique yes feeling um because like like you said like the 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 guy playing guitar or whatever it doesn't really make sense but it but it totally makes sense right like it, in in this context in this world they've created it totally makes sense that that guy is there doing that thing yeah i mean it it basically lets you know it lets you know what the rules of this world are is my point mm-hmm. right and i think that's crucially important because when you have stories that don't know what their rules are, that don't know what this world is, how this world is actually supposed to function, you can feel that. And so uh, a lot of times what you get is a movie where everything's supposed to actually be roughly like it normally was, and then you have that guy playing guitar in, in the car or something. And you're just like, that's so inconsistent with the world that you've created and why would no one would spend the money on that? There'd never mm-hmm. be these, it doesn't make any sense, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a worse version of Mad Max Fury Road has that problem. This version of Mad Max understands that you can't, you have to make it clear that we are in this weird, excessive pseudo-reality. It doesn't work the way our world works. And we're not going to try and pretend it does. We're just going to say, no, that's not how this works. Mm -hmm. This is about really extreme caricature and everything will be that way. And shot after shot after shot after shot, they never let you forget that, right? They never let you forget that. Even just small moments, like there's a shot in when they're kind of stuck in the swampy area where there's just people walking on like these stilt things. And they're just, it's just like one shot with these people watching, watching the truck drive by. And it's like, it just fills up that world so much. It feels so lived in uh even though it's so strange and alien and there's so few movies that do that that are that creatively rich i think where where it's just like 100 percent of the time you are completely lost in this place yes and it is and you never know what to expect that's the other thing i love is like there's this feeling of like excitement when you watch it because you never know what you're going to see next like you have no idea right because every time yeah. every time the scene changes like there's new stuff coming at you especially since like the the sort of plot of this movie is pretty minimal right yeah. um it's really a road movie kind you know a road yeah. action movie 
um, that backtracks on itself and they even go back through the same locations and stuff. So it's like there's not a lot going on. I think with they do a good job with what with what is going on. Um, I feel like Max and Furiosa's relationship is really interesting to watch develop. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole thing with the with the wives um, yes. is really effective. Yep. And uh, so like the, and that's all it feels like like the wives stuff is all that is more world building stuff. Right. It's like telling you so much about the world that we live that that we're sort of seeing here and how it operates and um, gives you that feeling of sort of like oppression. And uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's just like it all comes together really well for me. I think the other thing I would say is that it manages be. It, the the movie that I would most liken it to in terms of how it unfolds in that first 40 minutes or 50 minutes where you're just seeing so much new stuff on the screen, right? Especially if, like myself, you had never seen a Mad Max, because I hadn't. Uh, this was the first one that I ever saw. And when you're seeing all of this stuff, one after the other, after the other, after the other, it creates, I would say, a very Star Wars-like effect. Mm -hmm. Like, that first time you see Star Wars, and you see all of these crazy imaginative things coming out one right after the other, in, in in a way that sets a tone that doesn't create inconsistencies, just like Mad Max. It's like, look, we're not saying that we have specific physics that we care about that's how these ships fly and then that's going to be important later. And it's just like, no, it's just like, this is sort of a magical world with different rules and we're going to keep that really buried and in a way that doesn't interrupt the consistency of the film. Star Wars totally hits that. It's one of the reasons it's such a great film is because you get that feeling that there's this real world with totally different wor- rules and totally different things in it we've never seen before. Mad Max manages to do that in its own way as well. Yeah. It's like you just get this feeling that there's this whole crazy world out there that where this is really happening in some alternate rule set that's different from ours. And that feeling is fantastic. It's one of the only road pictures I enjoy. I don't like road pictures typically. I find their plots to be kind of aimless and annoying um, and that they kind of drag on. I really don't get that feeling with Mad Max Fury Road and I'm quite certain the reason is because they manage to keep introducing imaginative elements so that you're always delighted by what you're by the new things that are happening and you never stop to think about the fact that it's like you said that the plot is just kind of pointless and it's you know most of the scenes don't have a whole lot of plot content to them it doesn't matter because it's putting something really imaginative on the screen that you're delighted to see because you just haven't ever seen it before yeah i think delight is such a good word there's so many moments in this movie where you feel that thrill feeling in your chest where you're like ooh, you know or like there's even moments in the movie where i kind of get chills it's just like So much of it is so effective. Um, And I think they really knew how to shoot machinery. Yeah. You get all these nice shots of engines and growling and wheels, and they they know how to, you know, these are basic things I'm sure that you know how to do if you're a competent filmmaker, but a lot of filmmakers aren't that competent anymore. So, you know, they knew how to do the right stuff, too, to and uh, the sound effects mixing and, the you know, the artists, the, music, the, 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 the music foley, is, yeah. all that stuff yep. is uh, done. I assume this is George Miller uh, knowing how to, make sure this stuff is coordinated, right? Picking the right people, doing all that stuff to make this kind of a picture. 
and uh, it comes together spectacularly. You feel like everything really are these big, like, you know, engine kind of beasts moving through, and they're it almost, feels they're visceral. Almost, they're almost alive. They almost are. Yeah. I, I feel like, too, at the time this came out, this was like when there was a lot of Marvel stuff getting dumped out, and, and which all feel, a lot of the Marvel stuff feels extremely derivative. And their action sequences are like the polar opposite yeah. of this. You, it's kind of just people randomly punching each other or something, and no one really cares, and nothing imaginative happens. Yeah. Whereas you look at an action sequence from this, and everything is so imaginative. And I would point out precise. There's all these things about like, oh, this person's holding this object on the back of that thing, and he falls over, and now he's here. So in the next scene, he's in the back of that thing because he crawled under it. Exactly. Like, you know, all of that stuff so It's, it's is very planned. consistent. And like, very. It may be... Like, especially on a first viewing, you may not be able to follow all of those details because it's like there's a lot happening. Um, But it is all consistent. Like, it's all very specifically thought through and and shown. Even things that seem like mistakes, like you're like, oh, wait, why the war boy was still hanging off the tanker. Why is he gone in the scene? It's like he's not. Turns out he's huddled up in the back having a nervous breakdown, mm-hmm. right? So, like, they, they every single thing they needed to do to make sure people were where they should be, mm-hmm. I mean, I you know, if there was a mistake in there somewhere, I certainly didn't catch it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and if they did have a mistake, I mean, considering how much shit they got right, you know what I mean? Yeah, and, and like, you mentioned the war boy, like, back to the characters. Mm-hmm. I feel like all the character stuff works really, really well. Um, yes. Like, his story is really touching, yeah. And uh, the sort of ending he gets is really, you know, it's emotionally satisfying. Uh, I think all of the character stuff is like the very end with when when uh, Max leaves like you that that's like an emotional moment, you know, because this is a world where no one trusts anyone else. Right. Understandably. And then this, you know, throughout this movie, you kind of get to watch these characters like learn to trust each other, you know, in a, in a movie that's like about hope or not really having it. Yeah. Uh, in some ways, that is hopeful. It's like even in this bleak place, um, these people can actually learn to trust each other. And like, I think that there's just a lot going on story wise with with character stuff. Like, really, it's really thoughtfully done and intentionally done. Um, even if the probably the main point of the movie is is the action, right? Like, that's that's sort of I think where the where George Miller was probably like. Right. Most focused, but the but the character stuff and the story stuff works perfectly well, and it it all comes together to make it like a really really great movie. I do think that you know I appreciate that they did that work, right? Because it would have been easy to just go like, ah, this is just an action movie. Who exactly. cares? Like we don't really have to have multiple different character arcs in this thing. And but they were like, no. Like, you know, let's let's actually have a proper story here that you can follow and that has actual, you know, moments for the characters that matter to them. I do think some of that could have been done better. I mean, there are some times when the character moments feel a bit too abbreviated. Uh, and I think some of them needed a little bit more time to breathe. I mean, I feel like it does. The movie does a pretty good job with momentum in terms it, it'll it, it's. It's a lot at once, and then it does give you a break, and then it's a lot, and then it gives you a break. Like it's, it's, it's not, not bad. Yeah. It's not bad. Yeah, and like I said, I appreciate the fact that they bothered to do it because it's yeah. like they could have just not. Mm-hmm. Um, and the movie probably would have still been as successful, right? Because the the action oh, is sure. so fantastic, people are going to want to see this. But they they decided to actually make there be some heart to it, and I think that was great. My biggest complaint on character development, amusingly, which is a weird thing to complain about in this movie, but I actually do have a complaint about character development. Mm-hmm. Which is that 
I I wished we could have seen some setup shots for the other bosses. Mm, mm-hmm. Like I wanted to see like the signal come in to Gas Town and Bullet Town or what or Bullet Farm. The Bullet Farm. Uh and see those bosses where they normally were, were and then begrudgingly deciding to trundle off to their things because when they show up I love the fact that everyone shows up and they have completely different like the aesthetics. aesthetics. Yeah. I love that. But I don't know who these bosses are, right? And I kind of wanted to have a little experience with them or even just if at the beginning of the movie we saw them because they were planning the ship or something. I know it's a weird thing to complain about in a movie like this, but I really do think it would have helped a little. And the reason for that is I loved the setup at the beginning for the Citadel. Seeing like that scene where the guy, you know, Immortan Joe comes out and gives his speech and that sort of stuff really makes me know who that character is. So it's much more exciting to see him wheeling out in his truck when they go on the warpath. And I feel like I would have liked that for the other characters. As it was, there was like the guy who goes blind and shoots the two machine guns. Mm -hmm. It just feels kind of a little bit hollow to me because I don't know who this is. I would have liked to have known who that was. And And I don't think it would have taken much. Just just five minutes for each of the bosses. I mean, then they do get a few moments, a few like little moments where like the the one boss, the Gastown guy is like all this for a family squabble. You know, the other guy's like complaining about how much they're spending exactly so it's um, like and i do think the aesthetics of those the 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 costumes and it's just so like so good i don't i don't know how this happened like i don't know it was great design work how all yeah. of this production design came together it's just like not a thing you see in movies very very much like to they, that and, and they to had that more. exaggerated extent where it's like all like you said it's like all pushed to like 11 um and like I love you you just mentioned like um gas town and like the bullet farm. I even love how like simple and childish almost those names are for places. Mm-hmm. It's like this world is the it's just one of the most unique movie worlds I've ever seen. It really is. They even had more too because they had like weird spiky car aesthetic oh, the for the scrapper cars. people. Yeah. I don't know what their those people's names were, but uh they had like more than just the three factions who are chasing them. They even had... Yeah, and the bikers. Know, the bikers the, out in the yep. canyon. Yep. So, uh, you know, just fantastic imaginative work there. I would say visually the movie looks fantastic, but I don't love saturation dialed to 300. <laughs> so, you know, the version of this movie where the saturation was dialed back a bit would actually look better to me. I get what they were going for. It's just for whatever reason to my eye, I've never loved oversaturated images. They just look a bit too garish. So, you know, cinematography wise, that would be my one complaint with it. It's a personal preference complaint. So it's like they were going for what they were going yeah, for. Yeah, I think, I, think but, I would say in this particular case, I am okay with it because everything about the visuals was so extreme. Like even the, like there's like, frame rate weird frame rate stuff going on to make things feel like a lot faster yeah that stuff was cool i and liked like, how they did that yeah there's that was such a cool effect i don't know that i've ever seen that really used in in that way before i mean there's probably examples of films sort of doing that sort of stuff with frame rate but like um the, i assume but yeah not in a prominent example like i can't think of a yeah. major it's, film it's actually that. cool because it feels like experimental like there's yeah. there's aspects of this movie that like veer into experimental film in a, in a really cool way because it's not an experimental art film right it's like a mainstream action movie but they're like messing around with aspects of like the filmmaking uh they're pushing things in interesting directions 
And uh, it's really cool. I mean, there's even some really interesting effects. Like early on when Max is running away through these like caves from the guys yeah. and he's seeing visions of people whose like faces are turning into skulls yeah. and, and it's very creepy. Um, and so the way that they were doing some of those effects felt really fresh and, and new and effective. I would say that basically none of the things they experimented with in this movie fell flat, which yeah. is kind of impressive yeah. too. In other words, all of those things that they tried to do all worked. So it's like, again, a very steady hand. I assume this is just really good directing where it's just like, look, we know how to make these things land and here's how we're going to do it. Even though a lot of them are really pushing things really far, Mm -hmm. especially for a mass market movie. They're just like, we're going to make it work. Yeah. And they did. And that's really remarkable, right? It's also remarkable that this movie just looks so gorgeous when you consider just how grotesque everything in it is, right? They're managing to show exactly how you compose beautiful shots of grotesque things, right? It's like, it's this really interesting dichotomy that just shows that, you know, creativity and imagination and design can create beautiful things out of things that are not really supposed to be beautiful. It is a pretty gorgeous movie. Yeah. Um, the way it's shot. I mean, like, it's it all takes place in a desert, Um Like, we talked about this with Dune, another movie that takes place in the desert, and how that movie doesn't take advantage of the setting of a desert. Um, Yeah, and it doesn't even feel... It doesn't give you that sense of scale. I mean, think about the shot in this movie where they're driving toward the storm. Yeah. And it zooms out and out and out, and it's, like, literally jaw-dropping. I remember that shot particularly from the theater. Mm -hmm. It's just... It's astounding. Like, that storm feels absolutely horrifying yes. so the sense of scale and there's lots of shots in this movie where you get that sense of scale um and that was something that was like missing from dune entirely and i think the desert setting really helps with that um you know it gives you that feeling of like this vastness and also that that the feeling too of of sort of like desolation and desperation yes where you know you just keep driving toward a, a, a like a horizon line and there's nothing as far as the eye can see and you're just hoping that eventually something will show up, you know? Mm-hmm. That works really, really well. I would also point out that they were doing some fun stuff with the shot composition. They always tried to make the shots be interesting and they were thinking about where all of the visual things were in the shot, which I really enjoyed. One particularly amusing shot, which I guess was just someone picking out a an opportunity when they saw it. I can't imagine it was planned. Maybe it was. Was that uh, early on in the film, uh, Imperator Furiosa has, like, her her forehead is painted kind of black. Yeah. Uh, but the rest of her face isn't. So she's kind of two-toned. She has, like, a top half kind of blackish blue and a bottom half that's, like, skin-toned. And they shot it. So that the horizon behind her lined up with her head Mm. so that like it was like her head was like darkish blue. The sky was like blue and her the bottom half of her face was skin colored and the desert is kind of skin colored. Right. And someone like picked the shot just so that it composed in that way. And I thought that was kind of interesting. I'm just like it feels like the people who were filming this movie thought about the shots. They yeah, looked yeah. through the camera and were like, hmm, what can I do here to make this look more interesting? And I really appreciated those little touches. They just, again, the movie just l- always looks really well composed when you see the things. 
it creates a really compelling image. You know, it, it harkens back to that kind of old Stanley Kubrick thing where you're like, doesn't really matter what the scene is. I'm still going to make sure that I compose it like a painting. Like I, I make sure that there's a reason why it was shot this way. And it's not just random work a day. I pointed the camera at the thing. Yeah. Right. I don't really have, I don't have any negatives on this movie. I, I, I really love the experience of watching it every single time. And the first, the first few times seeing this movie was, it was like, you know, it really, it, it, it was one of those movies that kind of crawled its way into my brain and my imagination. And it was like, it was just so exciting to see something so creative. There just aren't, there's not that many creative movies. I mean, I don't know that there ever are, you know, like, yeah. I don't know that there are ever that many new things where it just feels like I've never yeah. seen anything like this before. I think that's a rare experience. And so this was, this was one of those experiences for me. I do think so. It's kind of why I like the Star Wars Blade Runner would be another example like that, where you kind of like, it kind of brings together this sort of unifying. I mean, there's obviously always parts of these worlds that existed before or ideas that existed before, but they kind of like bring everything together in a way that just like creates this feeling of cohesiveness and completeness where it's like, oh, this is this is what all of those things were pointing towards. This is what all of those previous works were pointing towards. Mad Max kind of Fury Road kind of feels like that for that sort of like, you know, weird car, brutal post-apocalyptic feel. It's like, oh, this is the whole thing. This is how you do that. Yep. In a complete way, like Star Wars, like Blade Runner. I'm trying to think of what other movies would kind of have that. Uh, it's not there's that not common. Many. Yeah, there's not many. I mean, it makes you um, want to spend more time in this world. Like, I want there to be more movies. I think they might be making one at some point. I don't. I doubt that it'll be as good as this, though. Um, I mean, this movie was very could... successful, so I assume someone wants to make another one. Um, but... I don't know, because I mean, George Miller, I think, is pretty old. I don't know if he would be making it, but. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm skeptical about a se- of sequels, like, sometimes yeah. where I, I don't know that you're going to be able to recapture that, that magic, yeah. especially if you don't have the same sort of, like, creative team on board. But, you know, in an ideal world, if you could recreate this feeling, I would love to see, like, many more movies in this world. Yes. Well, people who like uh, Mad Max Fury Road and want more of that kind of like post-apocalyptic action kind of feel can just, I mean, one of the things you could do is check out George Miller's other work, for example, Babe. That's right. Or Babe Pig in the City, which has that post-apocalyptic. It definitely does. No, it's so uh, interesting, the range. It's pretty great that someone can direct Babe and Mad Max Fury Road and do a great job at both because that is just like... Kind of remarkable. It's amazing. They're nothing alike, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, Babe was a very good film. I love uh, Babe. So, yeah. Cezanne, Organ Symphony. Oh. Anyway. <laughs> I don't remember the music to Babe, it's, but it's, I guess you do. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I don't know. Uh, like I said, yeah, not... Unfortunately, when a movie is really, really good, there's oftentimes less to say about it. You're not going to have much to nitpick. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have much to... Explain, oh, they could have done this differently, could have done that, because they couldn't. Yeah. It's like, this is exactly right. There's nothing to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's, I mean, I don't have anything negative. If, if you want a post-apocalyptic action movie with incredibly imaginative design, this is your film. Yep. I, there's probably no, not even a close second would be my guess, but I don't know. 
Uh, yeah. Hard to say. I mean, it's, I've never seen any of the other Mad Max movies. My guess is that, because I know they were pretty low budget, so my guess would yeah. be that, like, maybe this is sort of what George Miller always dreamed of Mad Max being, like, the world of Mad Max. Um and finally, yeah, he had know. the ability to like fully make that world happen. It could be. It could be. Um, but yeah, if anybody else has seen previous Mad Max movies, I'd be curious what your thoughts were. I wouldn't mind Fury watching Road. the Me earlier too, yeah. movies just as a for my own edification because like they are obviously cult classics, and it would just be interesting to see kind of uh, probably we'll, a bit maybe... laborious to watch all of them because I think there were several, right? Yeah. Um, but it would be nice to at least pick one representative one so I had a little bit more context. Maybe we'll have to do like a cult classics month where we do like... It would be nice because I would like to go back and 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 see some of those cult classics that I've missed. I've talked about this before, like uh, Repo Man, mm-hmm. often quoted, never seen it. Yeah, we should make... Um, oh, maybe I'll add that to the movie club. Yeah. Um, the movie picking mega thread. Yeah, I would like to see um, some of those cult classics that I've missed, just holes in the repertoire. Right? I guess like, if anybody has any other suggestions for cult classics, yeah, that would be a good let one. Let us know. That would be a good one. Because um, I do think it would be cool to see. Me too. So, is that it? I think that's it. All right. Well, what's the next film? I believe we're going to do Akira next week. Ah, yes, another bleak future in Neo Tokyo. Very, very bleak. I, I mean, Akira, another movie that is uh, visually just insane. So we'll talk about that yeah. next week. <laughs> There's a lot to say about that one on the visuals as well. Yeah. I think this is going to actually this is probably going to turn out to be a month of like extremely interesting world building and uh, really good filmmaking. I'm really interested to see Metropolis. It's I think the one movie I haven't seen yeah. in this set of four because it's obviously often cited as a seminal movie, kind of like a Citizen Kane, kind of like that sort of, yeah. you know, when yep. people are talking about movies. And so uh, I'm excited to see that one because... I want to see what people have been talking about and just have never quite gotten around yeah. to it. So that'll I mean, be really probably, interesting, It's going to be the oldest movie I think we've ever watched in the movie club, probably. And I would assume that even if it wasn't, it will be the oldest sci-fi movie oh, we've ever sure. seen <laughs> by sure. far, right? Because yeah. those were few and far between in terms of movies people still watch today mm-hmm. uh, or still mention today. Old sci-fi movies, there aren't a whole hell of a lot, right? Yep. So. so anyway... Uh, We'll be back next week with Akira, and we hope to see you there. Yeah. Until then, have fun watching movies. Sure. Yeah. Watch more movies, and we'll (laughs) see you on the internet. All right. Bye. Bye.